Welcome to the Yakcast. I am Aaron James Nicholas. The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. This is Luke's description of Jesus' physical birth. Matthew's account in 125 is much the same. This is it. Mary gave birth to her son. And if you notice, this isn't the picturesque nativity scene we often imagine when we think of Jesus' birth. The shepherds weren't there. They come after Jesus is physically born. And the wise men don't come with their gifts until he is nearly two years old. There's even a little debate about where Jesus was born. The traditional site of Jesus' birth is a cave or grotto in Bethlehem. And a lot of us picture a barn or maybe a stable. But they may not have been in a barn, stable, or cave at all. Some more recent scholars have proposed that they stayed with Joseph's family, based on a reinterpretation of the Greek word kataluma, which we all think of as in, but could have actually meant guest room in the tradition of family and hospitality in the first century Palestine. Instead of not being able to find a room in an inn, it could have been that Mary and Joseph couldn't find a room in the main living quarters of Joseph's family because the guest rooms were all taken. So they had to sleep downstairs where a lot of the animals were kept. A kind of domestic stable, but still in with Joseph's family. Jesus' relatives may have actually even been there for his birth. But as we just read, the actual birth seems to have been a rather private matter. No details are given other than that Jesus was born. By all gospel accounts, there is nothing exceptional about Jesus' physical birth. In fact, this meager description we find in Luke is the most any of the gospel writers share with us about Jesus' physical birth. It wasn't obviously and apparently miraculous. It wasn't particularly holy or sacred, surrounded by angelic nurses and gleaming with divine light. Mary gave birth to her son. But I don't believe that it takes a lot of creative power for us to imagine what Christ's physical birth may have been like. But I would venture to guess that it wasn't quite a silent night where all was calm. Mary was giving birth. I want you to picture in your minds everything you've seen, heard, or maybe even experienced with childbirth. And then I want you to listen to this Luke 2-7 passage again. The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Possibly in a house full of family, probably in the same room with animals. And contrary to that silent night nativity scene we often imagine when we think of the manger of Jesus. I believe that the manger of Jesus was a violent manger. But let me define for you for a second what I mean by violent. Violent. V-I-O-L-E-N-T. Involving extreme force or motion. Involving physical conflict, likely to use physical force. Using or involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. Violent can be a strength of emotion or this unpleasant or destructive natural force. Mary gave birth, and it was an unpleasant natural force. Mary was in pain, 
Jesus came into this world in the midst of his mother's pain. And this reality strikes at the heart of the fall and the state and condition of humanity. I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Jesus came into the world amidst his mother's pain, in the midst of her curse for the fall. Jesus' first experience in the world was a curse of the fall. I can imagine an infant Jesus crying from his first breath, the same cry that all of us gave at our birth. His cry is our cry, a cry of separation from God, the bestower of that breath, who calls out to Adam and Eve after the fall. Where are you? Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The full humanity of Christ, experiencing the intense separation from God with every breath from his very first breath. His cry is our cry. A cry of separation from others, crying out for his young mother, who he had shared the breath from God with for so long in the womb crying to not be overlooked, set aside, or forgotten. The same cry we all gave at our birth. His cry is our cry. Crying because of his mother's struggle against her husband, man's struggle against woman, his perfect partner. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Crying because of the animosity between brothers, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him, crying because of all of the wickedness in all of humanity. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The full humanity of Christ, experiencing the intense separation from others with every breath, from his very first breath. His cry is our cry. The smell and sounds of the animals surrounding his manger. Beasts of burden used to ease the toil of man while he worked the ground. A ground that was cursed by the fall. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The full humanity of Christ, experiencing the toil and struggle of man with every sight, smell, and sound from his very first breath. His cry is our cry. Jesus' manger was violent because human existence is violent. In Matthew 1.25, we read that Joseph called his name Jesus. Jesus is a Greek transliteration from the Hebrew Yeshua or Yehoshua, and it means that Yahweh is salvation. And in Matthew 1.23, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph, holding the baby Jesus in his arms, having just witnessed this mundane, violent birth, calls out Savior. 
God had come, God with us. Because even though the cry of Jesus' full humanity resounds with our own human cry, our cry is also for him. His cry is our cry, but his cry is also the answer to our cry. Our cry because of our mother's pain, because of our separation from God, because of our separation from each other, because of the fall of creation and the curse of the ground brought by our sin. Our cry that comes with every breath from our very first breath. Our cry is answered by his cry. So like Joseph, we call him Savior. Violence is an unpleasant or destructive force. And in the incarnation of Jesus, human separation with all of its violence was violently overthrown. He was God in flesh, the perfection of divine human indwelling, God dwelling in a tabernacle of flesh, a temple body, the word made flesh, the light that shone through all the world's darkness, violently overtaking it, the holy God, the God of otherness, the God on the mountain who is further from our fallen depraved creatureliness than the grandest distance of our imaginations can fathom. And in a single, furious moment of destruction, he enveloped the beast of humanity and restored them to the image of God in which they were made. And fallen humanity revolted as it watched the comfort of their darkness give way to his glorious light. The world that was made through him did not know him or receive him because in order to receive the fullness of God, they would have to sacrifice the beasts that sin had made them. Jesus' manger was violent because his salvation is violent. And I don't know about all of you, but the Christmas season hasn't ever really been the silent nativity that I've imagined. It's chaos, the lights, glitz, and the glamour, the Christmas parties and ugly Christmas sweaters, the gift giving and all of its commercial madness, Black Fridays, discount deals, and the trips to see this side of the family and that with all of the various personality quirks that each side brings to that Christmas dinner table, the TV specials and the Christmas cards that seem to grow and flood our homes and fridges, and the endless and ever-repeating Christmas music classics. And all of this can be phenomenal and fun, or miserable and horrible, but either way, it will leave us exhausted, not rested, stressed rather than reflective. And even though it's full of people we love and times that we will cherish for the rest of our lives, after all is said and done, we just want to be alone, even if it's just for a moment to catch our breath. Or maybe the holidays bring a different kind of chaos into our life, an unsettled inner turmoil the fresh loss or the dull ache that comes when the Christmas table is short, that one special person. The reality of a home that we can't return to for Christmas because of deep wounds or the strained relationships that live there. And while the rest of the world lights up the night with these twinkling electronic light displays, it seems that all of that unsettled darkness is pushed into our life and begins to pervade our thoughts. And while everyone else is full of joy, 
we are just doing our best to pretend that we are happy. We feel alone in crowded rooms and suffocated by family questions and holiday pleasantries. All of the TV special laughter is deafeningly fake, and all the happy Christmas music is unceasing and mind-numbing. And maybe sometimes we feel like we are one fake smile away from losing ourselves in all of that darkness. Do not be afraid. For unto us a child is born. This Christmas, as we reflect on the nativity, the beginning of Christ's salvation, remember, Jesus understands. The author of Hebrews, speaking of Jesus' incarnation, writes in chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is one of us. He understands exactly what it means to be fully human. He understands our pain. He understands our separation. And he has come into all of that darkness. He understands the world's chaos. In a Christmas season that in many ways epitomizes our brokenness and our disconnectedness, Jesus enters in. When we are lonely, losing ourselves, overwhelmed by stress and exhaustion, Jesus understands. He has been there. He has felt loneliness, loss, and brokenness. But Jesus overcomes. He has felt loneliness, loss, and brokenness, but he has carried all of that onto himself to the cross to conquer it, defeat it, and overcome it. He came in chaos and overcame the chaos. Jesus, our high priest, our representative before God, stands as our Savior. Jesus is one of us, but he is also our salvation, our redemption, and our communion. Jesus' manger is violent because humanity is violent. But so is his salvation. It violently destroys our curse, our death, and our darkness. His cry is our cry. And his cry is the answer to our cry. You've been listening to a down-tempo devotional from the Yakast, a young adult ministry of Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more about Crossroads by visiting their website, crossroadswired.com, or by attending a service at 1188 Park Avenue West in Mansfield, Ohio. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Yakast.